Are you living the crazy life of a sports parent? This is Sports Parenthood, the podcast packed with cool conversations with sports people, coaches and professionals for rookie sports parents just like you. You'll hear nuggets of gold in every episode with your hosts, fellow sports parents, John and Tiffany Bonacera. To meet the school bus, which would take me to cricket training, and I had 70 minutes to cover that 14 Ks carrying a cricket kit. <laughs> and I used to do that every Wednesday without any thought at all. And then no you, way. I, think I would have been about 14, 15 years old. We'd do that every week. And I'd get dropped home by the cricket coach. We'd play cricket till it went till it was dark. Uh, if I was coaching somebody at 14, going on a 14K run with a weighted run, really, and then they're going to play cricket for hours <laughs> afterwards, I would consider that some serious overtraining. That was just transport back then. This week's guest is Gary Howard from the Run Crew in Sydney. He's a guy known for dotting the I's and crossing the T's and doing the work that needs to be done, as you've just heard. He's still a competitive athlete today, a World Masters silver medalist in the 800 metres and is currently training for a marathon. In this episode, we wanted to explore the idea of sporty parents, active kids, as per research from Sports Australia, formerly the Australian Sports Commission, that shows active parents are more likely to have active kids. Gary himself is the perfect fit. A coach and father of two, in an interesting conversation that covers being a role model as a parent and coach, as well as the benefits of parents getting on board in kids' sport. And we throw open the discussion to what fires us up. The three of us share our views on some of the topics that irk us in sport. Firstly, though, how has Gary run more than 7,000 kilometres per year for 17 consecutive years? Ouch. I think that's due to a life of playing sport from an early age. I grew up in Penrith. We didn't have a car or a television, so I didn't have a, a lot to do other than play sport. And so, yeah, from early on, we'd all take ourselves outside in the morning and then after school and we'd play pretty much till the sun went down. I think that's just conditioned us to be able to handle uh, a lot of exercise and being able to do it consistently. That's fantastic. Now, I believe if it's true, you're running around that sort of six to eight thousand kilometers per year. Is that what does that true? break For down seven, to? Yeah, like, break it down. Maths? Talk to us and tell us what you do. Well, it changes. It depends. So, if I'm racing, training for 800 meters, that can be anywhere from 80 to 100k weeks during the season. Yeah. But you know, marathon training during winter, uh, I do a lot of running, incidental running with the squad as well mm. and the kids. That can be well. This week is a well. This won't sound good on your podcast, but this week is a two hundred kilometer week. Wow. wow, I'm feeling sore thinking about it. I don't feel sore. Running easy doesn't hurt. It's uh, adding in intensity makes mm. it quite hard. So this yeah, this morning was a few laps around the bay with one of the athletes I coach, and yeah, it was quite. It was really quite pleasant. <laughs> but this is a pre-marathon build-up, so just getting the body ready for that last hard 12 weeks before training for Gold Coast Marathon. Not many people think a 20K Sunday morning is fun. 
Especially you, John. It's a, uh, but however, the bay is a beautiful place to do it, I must admit. It was perfect morning today. Indeed. Totally agree. So then let's go back a little bit. Uh, we want to know what role, uh, and you mentioned sort of no TV and uh, that kind of thing, no car, my gosh. When we were actually going through these questions, Andy happened to be sitting behind us and you could see her eyes spark up. She was like, what the? <laughs> so it's, a, it's quite different to what they're used to. So what role uh, did uh, sport play in your family life growing up? Mum originally was a really good volleyballer back in Japan. That was a popular sport over there. Mm. And she was quite athletic. She came here to Australia to learn or to improve her English. She was a newsreader on the radio and reading the English news was seen as prestigious. So she came here to, with no English and somehow I met my dad who was a hockey player and ended up staying here and threw us out to Penrith because she wanted to immerse herself in proper Australian culture she wasn't sporty when she got here. She really did immerse herself in study and she still does. She's a workaholic. But my father was a strong hockey player and really involved with the hockey club. So I always saw that. I guess that's how I got started in uh, hockey and that set me off from there. Mate, you've alluded to the fact that you're running a lot of Ks mm. and um, we'd be interested to find out a little bit more about that, i.e. do you keep a training diary? And is it something you advise uh, for some of the junior athletes that you coach? I do like them to give really good feedback. Mm-hmm. There's, we put all our programs on an app called Training Peaks mm-hmm. and we send out the programs to them. We can access straight away the, the watches these days, mm-hmm. GPS watches. They just load. The, as soon as they finish their run, it loads up onto the app and we can see what they've done. And That's a wow. lot of them will add comments on their splits or weather conditions or how they're feeling or how sleep's an important one. I like to see how much they've slept or their perceived effort or levels of fatigue. So you take RPS uh, for every session? No, some do. There's Everyone's so different mm. in running. There'll be some people who share everything with you and others will literally tell you nothing and you just have to assume that oh, – that they're going okay. quite yeah. well and they generally are they'll most people will tell you if something's not going well if they've got a niggle or um, they're a bit run down or whatever they're struggling with the workload but yeah there's definitely varying degrees and but I do think there's a mix so some people perform really well when they do give you that perceived effort mm. feedback but others are just really function quite well by just ticking along how do you work with those athletes to, I, I guess, at least get the minimum information that you and your co-coach need to keep them moving? Yeah, I think well, Ben's probably the same, similar to me, and we've got uh, another coach as well. Oh, sorry, that's Ben St. Lawrence, mm-hmm. who is a two-time Olympian and Australian 10K record holder. He's another coach at Run Crew, and Katie Conlon, his partner, has also started coaching. I think Katie's very communicative with them but uh, whereas Ben and I have been doing it a little bit longer and we get to see them a mm. bit more often maybe I don't know what the word is you kind of feel comfortable in knowing <laughs> that you understand the individuals yeah that's good and had longer had long relationships with a lot of these people we get a fair idea about how they're going but uh, quite good at observing the sessions parents as well are really good at giving feedback they're a great resource especially for the teenagers who, will, as you're about to find out with Andy, do not like to tell you much. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> she doesn't tell us anything. 
Yeah. <laughs> you need think... a spy. Oh, yes, no, indeed. I feel like that indeed. as a parent sometimes. But actually the next question is probably relevant to that as well because one of the things that we feel like, you know, and you know too, uh, Gary, you know, I guess elite athletes, or training loads, you're always sort of on that precipice, I guess, would you say? So being a coach and a former massage therapist, we'd love to know more about your thoughts on injury prevention strategies and perhaps recovery as well. Well, you've kept yourself in one piece for a long time. So and you're running around at 200 yeah. k's this week, so you must be going all right. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I think that's different for everyone as well. So I'm happy to uh, dot every I and cross every T. Some people need to switch off, but I... I really love it, so I don't take anything for granted. I wouldn't, I can't lie and say I'm a great sleeper, but I think sleep is probably num- mm. number one. I will, I do my strength most days. Uh, I'll rotate my shoes. I'll do my mobility and rolling and self massage and even dry needling if I you have to. You are a student, aren't you? Wow. Like a, you know, in a good way, doing doing all the right things. Yeah, quite diligent with everything. I just see, especially. I'm not old. I'm very young. I'm very young, 47. But other 47-year-olds, I've seen them just one setback can really set them back a long way. It is that lifetime of conditioning that keeps you going. But deconditioning, that's uh, happens at yeah, a much faster rate. Quite doesn't dangerous. It? Yeah, I think so. I think, and that's what seems to happen. So you know, I'm not scared of getting injured. But if I get injured, it won't be because I've made a mistake. Mm. And I'd hope that our athletes who are ambitious would be thinking the same way mm. well would certainly help me if you were my coach I, I would know as you put it intuitively that i was in the right stable knowing what you do for yourself yeah well ben's the same and katie is as well we definitely nobody can say we're not <laughs> setting some sort of example with workload and our, our diligence that with all the extras. Too, but you're, you're not actually that positive so when we get up to train you generally complain about how oh, sore you are this is She's talking to me, not you, mate. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, I've listened to your podcast. I think what yeah. you need to do is make sure you've got a packet of uh, what is it, the chocolate bullets on standby. <laughs> and just feed them you know, to mate, you. I it's just, okay, I just came back from the supermarket and I went past them and I went, no, I'm not buying them. And I kept walking. <laughs> Oh, but I did I, buy I you some licorice, didn't I, dear? <laughs> yeah. you did. I, I don't even go to the middle aisles. I just oh. walk around the outside of the shop. Tough, get isn't the, it? I go, I don't trust myself. I don't have many vices, but they are definitely one. Um, actually, good good segue from what you just said from your previous answer is that research from Sports Australia or formerly the Australian Sports Commission shows active parents, or in your case as a coach and a parent, are more likely to have active kids. Nearly 90% of kids with at least one parent who plays and or volunteers in sport are active in organised sport or physical activity outside of school. So what are your thoughts about being a role model for your kids? That's hard to know if I'm a role model for them. I I don't know what they see and absorb, but they're definitely both boys. The 9 and 11 are both crazy about sport. And the 11-year-old in particular approaches it the same way I do. He'll Not that we had computers growing up, but I'd get books from the library that I'll watch him just go on a cascade down YouTube of how to bowl leg spin or how to kick a torpedo for he plays Aussie rules and cricket. And the younger ones is a bit different, but he's crazy about his running. He actually needs to be forced to stay in team sports. We're going to renegotiate at 16. He wants to, I want to, I want to advance my running and I want to give up footy and cricket. Yeah, can wait. <laughs> yeah, definitely agree with you. 
I don't know. I'm, I'm quite cognizant of that they are absorbing what we, we do because my wife's also really competitive and she's active. She'll be running five, six times a, a week and she still that's plays first grade netball. She's a couple of years younger than me, but that's mm-hmm. pretty yes, good, I think, is. if your body's still in order. Very uh, good to be playing at that level. They, yeah, they are crazy about sport. They'll even take themselves off and you know, go downstairs and practice cricket or something. Just You, you won't see them until it's time to eat like probably like you guys would have grown yeah. up. That not it's pretty rare these days, I think, that unless it's organized, it's you don't see the kids doing much around. We're, the we're probably at one on one. So one is supremely driven and is we have to hold her back. And the other one loves the team environment and really enjoys that aspect, but doesn't really get out there that often and get into it on her own. But but to, but together they t- okay. they can actually. They can out in the backyard or down the street. Do you know what I was thinking, John, the other day, you, you won't remember, but uh, Millie was pregnant with Akira, who's now 11. You were at King George Park one day, you were playing around with that strength equipment. I remember you doing push-ups with Andy on your back. <laughs> and this was me being a, you're ready to be a father. I looked at that and I thought, yeah, that's that's what being a dad's going to be. That's how I'm going to be. Well, so even though it was a brief interaction, you, I thought you've had some sort of um, influence effect on how I parent. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I remember both the girls, they really actually like loved that. Like they really enjoyed doing it and holding them on, their, on your shoulders when you were squatting and um, lying on your back and bench pressing them and things like that. They, they thought it was great great fun and obviously it was an opportunity to get some exercise in and be outside at the same time for us i don't think we're fun anymore so i would finish my runs wherever they were you know a mother's group or whatever they would be finishing and then i would do my strength and i would do the johnny push-ups we called them (laughs) i'm not even joking (laughs) the boys loved it and we'd do pull-ups with them climbing uh, climbing on like koala bears yes and they still ask for it, but I have it's to a tell little them bit that harder I, now. Yeah, I already did strength this morning. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I, I remember the ones good one. in particular that they that they loved was in a pool and being able to, you know, I guess press them into the air like a shoulder press and throw them. Yeah, up until recently it was possible with Miller, but now it's no go. <laughs> No, no yeah, well, I met Miller uh, yeah. a few months ago, and yeah, yes. yeah, 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 that's a that's a challenge. It was, it was game over. <laughs> game over. So within your group, I understand that you've got you get you guess your adults, and then you've got your juniors or your kids coming through. So you tell us a little bit about you know how you go about sort of coaching them and keeping them you know in the sport. In the sport. So as you said before, with that ninety percent of kids with one parent competing in sport uh, they're likely to carry on and stay in the Mm. sport not every kid that comes to the group has parents who have a sporting background or certainly not a running background it's definitely different because they they tend to have different expectations so a lot of that comes down to communicating with the parents which I didn't always do well when I started running coaching I came from a hockey coaching background Mm. where it was very simple like you had to be in a way dictatorial otherwise the, you know, the everybody had to be having heading in the same direction so it was yep. quite clear that everyone would toe the line and any even a bad plan was better than no plan as long as everybody was heading in the same direction <laughs> but with running you, it's very different <laughs> uh, so we've had to work on those communication skills and certainly especially with parents and that's become a lot easier since I became a parent you can understand mm. their concerns and 
none of us really know what we're doing and we're, everything's new to us and mm. you only get a, a short window with these kids, as you know, and time, time flies. So, uh, yeah, I've certainly been a lot better at communicating with the parents. It's nearly more about even dealing with them than the actual kids. Kids are fine. Kids know where they're at. They know that working and preparing to be able to work when it matters will pay off later. Sometimes you just got to calm the expectations of an immediate results, particularly prepubescent results. Mm. Uh, so the focus is just as I'm sure you are with your girls. It's just on that health and enjoyment, building the friendship groups. Of course, like from a coaching point of view, technically working on their mm-hmm. biomechanics if you can, because even that evolves so quickly with the through puberty, mm-hmm. uh, even more so for the girls. But you can still there's things you can do that I guess are universal cues for their running technique that will hold them in good stead once the body does settle uh, with the with changes and building a nice space, but not so much that they won't be energised and ready to go when it does matter if they do want to be successful senior athletes. Very nice. Did that make any sense? Yeah, absolutely. It was, awesome. <laughs> it was a very comprehensive answer. Yeah. It's hard. Like, I can tell you now what I thought coaching kids was going to be like and what coaching kids, the reality, it's, it's quite hard. So, yeah, it is a lot of managing expectations and taking a lot of losses because – you're not always. You're not competing against. Not every coach thinks the same. So mm. you're, you're. You can see your sometimes that your kids are going really well and they're going to be great later, but they're getting flogged, and you don't. Want, you don't want them to lose that spirit of competition. But you also have to explain to them that your time will come later. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the patience is a really important one, and it's a really hard one to explain to kids. And we're, we're, we are actually having that conversation with our eldest daughter in terms of having patience, because um, you know we, we've spoken about it a few times on the podcast. But you know, if you want to be at that pointy end of sport, then it is actually a long game. Yeah, uh, skill sports are maybe a bit different. I, I'm not. I don't know. Mm. Like you do, maybe you do need those. Um, years of development and those stages where you, you get access to better coaches. But for an endurance sport, it, it really is about you know, having good technique, having good speed and being ready to go when the time is right. And that means also not being under-trained as well. Mm. So getting that balance right is it's quite tricky. To the under-20s at any schools cross-country or state championships or national championships, it, it's not as good as the under-14s. Especially in terms of depth, and very interesting. Yeah, it really is a war of attrition. Just be out there, but be ready to go when the time's right. And that time being right is different for everybody, mm. And mm. especially for females. That time to go could be twenty, it could be twenty-four. Like, yeah. Mm. You mentioned the word balance, and I think it's it's a good frame for this. How do you balance uh, coaching and sports parenting? I don't really coach my kids. I am their coach. But they, I think by osmosis they are coached because they hear what I tell other people mm. or they're, they're always around. Um, they'll hear, hear the instructions. They'll notice things. The eldest one's quite observant. He's and actually <laughs> he sees a lot of things I don't see. Mm. Uh, he's quite perceptive. Uh, and the youngest one's just dead keen to go. For him it's just a matter of holding him back. But mm. coaching kids isn't. For a sport like running where, like, to me it's all process-driven, there's results and there's times and medals and track suits available. But, but they like the merch. 
Yeah, or well, some kids are just really driven. Like some kids get really upset when they think they deserve a medal and some kids just don't care. <laughs> yeah, but... <laughs> so true. <laughs> yeah, that's true. So uh, Akira would just – and the medal wouldn't even come inside the house. He'd toss it in the bin on the way out the stairs, whereas, yeah, Cody quite values his, his bling. <laughs> uh, I think they're lovely keepsakes, particularly when they're earned. Like that's a – it's an yeah. it's an important reference to rem- to remember. It is interesting though. So say so, same with your kids. Oh, they're bling luggers. Two, they two are bling luggers. They, they like the bling. Don't worry about <laughs> that. Oh, oh yeah. Okay. yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> they um they probably don't like the fact that we don't like to sell it online. <laughs> <laughs> we we just we just say yes, well done you, well done you. That's fantastic. And they're like, oh, you know, Billy Joe Jim Bob puts it on the on on Facebook, and we're like, well, just we, keep it we, in your we might just box. keep it in your box, and we can get it out and look at it from time to time. <laughs> Which they do. Actually. Actually. Yeah, it's nice. <laughs> and it is important to reference those things. Any memories are good. They are indeed. Especially if they're right. You're right. Okay, so uh, here we go. Uh, actually, quickly, before we keep going, where did Tiger come from, Gary Tiger Howard? Doesn't always hold me in good light. <laughs> you don't have to explain, but it'd be interesting <laughs> if it, you felt like it. Is it family friendly? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I was playing hockey and I'm – I get white line fever. This is <laughs> contradicts a little bit of my coaching philosophy. <laughs> and yeah, we we're playing hockey one day and we were, we we're losing. It was three nil against fierce rivals and there was a couple of minutes to go. Clearly couldn't win. You don't want to take the foot off the gas, but you don't want to be hurting each other in the last few minutes when the game's over. So it's normally politely the games just fizzle out a little bit. You see that as well in the rugby league, John, where it's just, I don't know, time just yeah. time just when the game's over, it's over. Yeah. But I didn't like these guys. So <laughs> I just saw it as three minutes of free opportunity to get them. <laughs> so I was running around like a maniac. And uh, I think errantly, some of the supporters thought that that was me being ferociously competitive. Uh, and they just started yelling out, go Tiger, and that stuck ever <laughs> oh, since. Oh, wow. Yeah. Because it is. It does How old it... were you then? Oh, mid-20s. Okay. 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 So 20-odd years, that's that's a Daniel nickname. I think it's fizzling out a little bit. The Definitely none of the juniors call me Tiger. They'll, they'll call me Gary, so I'm getting used to getting called Gary again, which is good. <laughs> <laughs> but it pops up every now and then. <laughs> I used to turn my head thinking, who is this Gary? Hey, I don't get John either. <laughs> what do you uh, get? JB, John Bon, because surname Bonacera, no one ever can spell it or pronounce it properly, so generally I get I get JB most of the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, nicknames are good. Mm. They are, and I think that's a that's a little bit about our culture, isn't it, as well, in Australia. What's Tiffany's nickname? By the way, everyone, this is family friendly. It's just the end of her name. <laughs> people obviously call her Tiff, but I call her Fanny. But, <laughs> but when I say it in front of people, they all they all look at you, and I'm like, well, no, no, her name's Tiffany. Tiffany. Yeah. So it's not funny so, in public. It's just well, not. perhaps not. <laughs> well, Fanny Durek Fanny was, Durek was well, indeed. Has, yeah. <laughs> However, has a drive named consumer. after her out at Sydney <laughs> Olympic Park. True. That's true. We'll stick with that. Coming off the back of your Tiger story, we know that you do fire up about a few things and John and I are known to fire up about a few things as well. But one of our previous guests has strong views on kids being pushed too much too young and never actually making it. What are your thoughts on this? Was this Jammo? Yeah. 
Sarah Jamison, everybody. <laughs> yeah. Sarah Jamison. Uh, podcast. She's one of my favourite oh, ever athletes. One of Australia's too. greatest ever 1,500 metre runners. Yeah, I, I agree. Totally. I loved her passion and I definitely understand where she's coming from and especially her, obviously, she doesn't have anything to prove as a coach so she's not out there chasing results and she know what she knows mm-hmm. what worked for her which is it brought her great success. I think she's, yeah, her junior coach was a, a sprint mm. hurdles coach, which is a great way to get started. I think that really sets you up well for to become a middle mm-hmm. or long distance runner later on with a technique focus and quite particular, a lot of practice focus yeah. rather yeah, than training so focus. I, I loved the thing she said and the way she said it, but also it is that, it's quite hard when you turn up to events, like I said before, where kids are getting beaten by kids who are being trained yeah. to perform well. But you don't always know why that's happening, what's happening in the background. How have you found having those conversations around turning up to meets, having children that you're training, you know, and, and obviously seeing opposition, as you have alluded to, that obviously training to a different level, but they're training to perform now instead of later. What conversations do you have with the athletes and the parents to try and negate that? I think the kids are good. The, the kids are good mm. if the parents understand. Yeah. With our sport, and Tiffany would have known this, is you get a lot of that. Are you going to the Olympics? Oh, yeah. Are you training for the Olympics? Like what, I, get it. I still get it now. Why do you train so hard? Mm. I just really like it. Like, to me, the sport isn't the result. It's the whole process and enjoying that process of just doing your best. Mm. Uh, and I like that. I like working hard regularly and, like I said before, dotting the I's and crossing the T's. I enjoy all that process of uh, having routine in my life. Like it helps every, every th- other mm. thing in my life. And if you can ingrain that in the kids from early on, that's not going to stop them from being great. Uh, ben is the same. He, he says the same things and he enjoyed his life for a long time. But when it was time for him to get serious, he got serious and still got results. But he has never – he's always done it for the enjoyment mm. and that entire process and the friendships you make like, – that's what all of us want out of sport. Mm. Absolutely it? it is. Yeah, I love that. And I think the kids feel like that, but it's they don't control everything. They have to get there and so you've got to have the parents mm. on board and keen to kind of go that whole distance with them, whether they're going to be top athletes or not. That's not why you should do sport. It's mm. to really enjoy that process and be healthy and uh, enjoy being fit, but I, I just I really think it's about having those friendships that you can only really get from sport, even with your training partners or your opposition and teammates in the team sports. Mm. Uh, I think that gets lost sometimes, but if the parents are on board, I think the kids will certainly uh, follow through without chasing those results or getting too upset when they don't get great results. So essentially you're saying that as long as you sort of keep transitioning, you know, a good percentage of juniors into the seniors, then, um, you know, you'll keep doing what you're doing. Yeah, it gets easier to give your message if the message works. Yeah. I mean, if it doesn't, then you've probably got the wrong message anyway. <laughs> no, no, <laughs> true. And I'm not going to say we always get it right. I've made so many mistakes and it, 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 transitioning in running is – Everybody knows or transitioning anyone anyone from a junior athlete through to seniors is really difficult at the moment. Um, mm, it is hard. Yeah, I'm keen to learn more too if anyone's got any ideas <laughs> yeah. on what we should be doing. Oh, no, we, we, we know, we feel that. And... Well, mate, obviously with the work that you've done as an athlete and now as a coach, 
they're wonderful learnings. You're obviously really focused on process. Um, well, yeah, process. But what I was actually going to say was you, you're actually focused on the athlete themselves mm. and getting the best for them, not for you. Mm. And that's a very, you know, that's a noble thing, isn't it? Because a lot of coaches are recognised by the performances of their athletes. Mm. Yeah, I think that's when mistakes can really happen. You do sometimes, yeah, your ego does get in the way a little bit. Sometimes you just have mm. to put it to the side and say, I've, I've actually made mistakes where I've been a little bit overly aggressive with somebody who I, just because they were talented, mm. you think, what are you doing? <laughs> like, but why is the pressure on that person just because they happen to be talented yeah. physically? Mm. But if somebody's not physically talented, I just want them to enjoy it and do the things that are going to keep them in the sport and make their lives outside of running better. Or <laughs> sometimes I, I have caught myself really pushing somebody just because they happen to have that ability where they could go to the Olympics or whatever. It would be it, well, it, would it definitely be natural, is, and it's important that that you can when, pick when yourself you, up on that. That's right. Yes, and when you reference it, and you can see one way or the other then it's important that you voice it too mm. and mm. share it with them. And then the choice becomes theirs, obviously. Yeah, we're all learning as we're going, that's for sure. Mm. Give us some insight into a few of the things that, that fire you up about sport, obviously as an athlete, as a coach and as a parent. Probably lead us to talking about some of the things that fire us up as well. We have a few. Can I interview you? <laughs> what, what fires you guys up? <laughs> <laughs> it's a good question. Certainly on the back of this conversation, I'm, I find it frustrating when children aren't coached. Mm. And I know that there are um, significant reasons why that happens and I understand 90% of those people, if not more than 90, are volunteers in that chosen area and they're perhaps parents. And so I'm, I'm never outwardly critical or, or feeling critical but I do find it internally frustrating when children in a team sport or an individual sport are not, um, in my eyes, learning and growing as well as they could be at the time they're there. I think what frustrates you is not having structure around specific training sessions and so forth. Yeah, well, I think when you've got the kids, for example, in team sports, and it is largely about fun, but it's also about, as you said, Gary, uh, growing, learning, good biomechanics, movement patterns, etc. What you really want for your children is for that hour a week, an hour and a quarter a week, whatever it might be, that they're getting value out of it. Yeah, I understand that. There's it's not always the right people in the right positions, that's for sure. Yeah, mm. and I mean, obviously, as again, I, I would never say anything, and but it is something that, that bothers me. And, and I think if you've got them for an hour and they're standing around for 40 minutes of it. Uh, they're going to lose interest. Yes, and you'll lose them to the sport. Mm. Mm. Okay, that fires you up, John. What fires you up, Gary? Well, what about you, Gary? I'm giving you a lead in, mate. I'm giving you a lead in. Well, I'm after Tiffany, aren't I? Okay, well, I'll tell you something that fires me up, but I don't know if I'm going to get it out in the right way. So one of the things that fires me up and has since I was quite young is um, access to sports. So uh, just my personal experience when I was growing up coming through sport and I was in the fortunate position where I guess, um, for example, my parents were in a position to, I guess, financially pay for different trips and so forth. I, I even then felt terrible and I felt really strongly about some of the kids that weren't able to pursue the same opportunities through lack of financial funds or what have you, through no fault of their own. I'm not, there's no blame, but I feel like I feel, I feel for the kids that don't necessarily get the same opportunities as others. That's what fires me up and I get quite upset about it <laughs> because I feel like a lot of talented kids may not have the opportunities that some other kids have. Well, that actually fires me up too. 
Actually, both mm. your points fire me mm. up because I've grown up with, like, <laughs> I've been so lucky to have so many great coaches around me and access to, you know, I've always been fortunate enough to have seen so many good people over the years. And then when you, when you see poor, oh no, I can't call it poor coaching because it's not their fault in a way. Because they have some, a lot of times they are just the last person standing who hasn't stepped back when they've said, who wants to coach? Yeah, exactly. That's so true. It is really, uh, and because I don't want to be over interfering, I don't want to, I completely butt out when it comes to their cricket and footy. I want to be that parent that is a chauffeur who drops them off and picks them up and just cheers for them, gives them a hug afterwards. So I don't want to meddle in those other sports. But when you see sport, the boys play Aussie rules, I, I, didn't grow up with Aussie rules, but there's a lot of similarities with hockey and how I would structure a training session, mm. uh, whether you're looking for a group effect or whether you're working on individual skills. To me, it's all organised before. Everyone knows what they're going to do. Everyone knows what they want out of the session. Off you go. You maximise mm-hmm. that hour. You have a little chat afterwards uh-huh. and a lot of the kids would then stay totally behind agree. and work on their own skills or just play or talk or whatever and off you go and you feel like it's been really valuable from a social and uh, practical perspective but I see a lot of dead time there whereas sometimes I just think the boys when the two boys go down the park and kick the footy together for an hour they get more out of it sometimes. John's nodding his head just like giving him the yep totally agree totally agree nod nod So that's an education thing from the sport isn't it? Absolutely it is it is indeed. So the sport has to be better. it's no reference to any individual because you are correct. It takes a big person to volunteer and it's not the easiest role and perhaps they haven't had much experience and, and they're really time poor as well and they're, they're giving their best, no doubt. And so that's definitely important that we want to voice that. But agreed, I think the sport is responsible for the people that they put into those roles and if they can provide education in that capacity at the start of every year, you know, it'd be really helpful and offering drills and skills and yeah I think so and then even at the school level the education of the parents so if you turn up to school cross country and every kid does it and most kids when they're six or seven will find a way to run that one or two k's however far it is what happens after that like why Mm. is it that it then suddenly becomes hard that's just poor diet or just inactivity Surely if the parents are better educated. Actually, that's true. That is something that we have noted in in being, you know, I guess volunteers within school environments for kids cross country. I guess it's disappointing for the kids when they get past those age groups. Have you said that they actually physically can't run one or two K? And that's actually quite a sad reflection all round, really. Yeah, that's Western society, Mm -hmm, isn't it? mm -hmm. It is. Yeah, and it's certainly not limited to... The kids that we're we're dealing with on a daily basis, it's mm, mm. it's much more broad than that, isn't it? Anyone else got a fire up question before we move on? When you talk about that inaccessibility, mm-hmm. as especially in a sport like running, which is so mm-hmm. global and should be free and mm. easy, uh, it's getting cost prohibitive now with the some of the footwear, which I don't think everyone should, like children should be wearing. But anyway, that's another story. But Watching some of those national schools where you see kids from Northern Territory or wherever, kids that aren't coached, and I guess it doesn't matter where they come from, but you can see that talent that I don't watch the sprints. I'm sure they fare quite well in the sprints, but still massively disadvantaged if you don't have Mm -hmm. coaching. They don't even know how good they can be. I know, I know. They're racing 800 and they're with them for 400 and then they finish 200 metres last, but that's 
that's just six weeks I of work. I know, like, it is. They, and they don't know and then they're lost and that is yeah, so much talent wasted. And that's not just at that level, but you go to any cross-country race, you could probably pick 10 kids from any school and all of them have the potential to be great if, but they just don't know or have access to coaching. Mm -hmm. I think it would be amazing if Athletics Australia had a bunch of coaches in every area who was who had the yeah go go around resources and, uh, almost like a develop yeah, a development say, officer. Yep, You're, you've got talent. If you don't yeah. like, you have a coach, good, carry on. But if you don't have a coach, would you yeah. like some help? Agreed. I agree. I agree with that. And there are sports that do that really well. And funnily enough, um, AFL in particular is a are wonderful at getting the sport out there more broadly by offering coaching, by offering things like where they see grass, putting a field or approaching schools and saying, would you like your kids in your program, in your school program to, uh, to play AFL? And if you do, we'll, we'll supply the coach and the field and the balls. All you've got to do is give us the kids. Well, you know what I like about what Gary's saying, though, about running specifically, and Gary and I spoke about this offline the other day, though, running provides grounding for so many different sports, and I think that's the key to it. So, you know, you're talking about all of those team sports, and Gary, we spoke specifically about soccer the other day, but, I mean, they're all, they're, they're all, be, they're yeah. all reliant on your ability to run. I mean, you can argue yep. it, it each way you like, but if you're Speed, not fit and you can't run, forget it. Yeah, Does that correct. fire you up? Fires me up. <laughs> I'm always fired up. <laughs> <laughs> I do remember with rugby league. So growing up at Penrith, every kid played rugby of league course. and soccer. Yeah, and they the boys were fit. Like the rugby, but the game changed a bit. It got quite big and more powerful and more interchange and whatever else. They must it's, still. Is there an endurance component to league? Yeah, look, at, oh, without a doubt, mate. Yeah, it's it's come back a long way uh, in respect to the speed of the game. It's really quick. Back to eight interchange. Um, they're obviously physically and, and um, powerfully, they're unbelievable athletes in terms of the cross-section of what they can do and the, the speeds that they run as well. They're, they're running sort of upwards, the, the outside backs and your full backs, et cetera, are running around that sort of 38, 39 kilometres. Ah, uh, sorry, metres. Kilometres? Are you going to say? What are you talking they're about? They're very, very – No, 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 no. They're <laughs> – Oh well, in a in a week in a week, some of those positions are doing thirty kilometers a week in mm -hmm. terms of training, and and that's all obviously short burst, high intensity. It's not it's not a thirty k jog. Mm -hmm. So they're they're very. I, I take my hat off when I see them train and the depth that they do. It's actually quite amazing. And if anyone wanted to have a look and and really see what they do to get out there on a weekend, it's it's quite impressive, and it takes a very courageous and select person to be able to do it at a professional level. Oh, I remember how sore I was after hockey matches. Uh, I couldn't even imagine what it was like to be tackled by one of those blokes and then, yeah. and then yeah, the, uh, you have the to be ready to are... go again next week and ideally have done some training in between. Yeah, and the training's, yeah, it's not for the faint-hearted. That's why we run, Gary. I know. That's why I always laugh when anyone's like, oh, 200K a week, well, no one tackled me, I'm fine. <laughs> Running's tough too. <laughs> If you had one piece of advice, and we're happy for more, for our listeners, sports parents, what would it be? I'm open to taking advice too if anyone has any, but I would say just whatever happens during the competition, just they shouldn't, they should feel really safe when they leave the team or the co or the individual sport, whatever they've done. They should feel really safe going over to their parents and knowing that whatever happens, they're loved, give them a hug. 
you can talk about it a little bit, but I don't think you want to overanalyze it once it's done. Just give them a hug, move on. Don't be too invested in their results. Just be invested in their happiness. That's gold. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Sports Parenthood. Please leave a review, share with your friends, or visit our website, sportsparenthood.com.au, to connect. Catch you next week.